to the Holmes Politicast. I'm Thomas. And I'm Jim. And today we'll be bringing you updated news on what everybody's saying about Whitmer's road financing. Uh, we're going to be talking a, a little bit about that, what uh, what critics are saying about it. Um, we're going to try and cover a little bit of her budget. Uh, we've got a couple things on here to talk about in regards to that. And we're going to be talking about the Freedom of Information Act. We're going to be talking a little bit about the election of our Congress people. Um, everybody's up for re-election. We're going to be talking about a couple of the districts that are going to be hot seats. We will be talking about illegal seizure of citizens' properties. But first, we're going to have Jim bring us a few headlines from the week. All right. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I have from MLive, Governor Whitmer seeks $64 million for three environmental initiatives. From the Detroit Free Press, we have Michigan seniors angry after Whitmer keeps pension tax and new state budget. And also from MLive, Lapeer County votes to become a Second Amendment sanctuary. All right. So starting off on the road financing, uh, article from MLive by Laura Gibbons. The headline is Whitmer's road financing plan doesn't fix underlying problems, critics say. So this is something that's been debated in the Michigan House of Representatives. Uh, this article has House Speaker Lee Chatfield talking about the the bonds plan. Uh, he's quoted as saying, she refused to work with us and it was 45 cents or bust, referring to the 45 cent gas tax that uh, Governor Whitmer implemented uh, late last year. He said the government's focus was on a financing tool, not a funding solution, and reiterated his call that every penny of taxes paid at the pump should go toward roads. He said this is not a long-term solution for our roads, simply taking out a loan and passing it on to our children. I can't take that seriously as a long-term proposal. Uh, and in, a, in a related article uh, from Fox Detroit, basically simply uh, reporting on, on the same thing, um, you know, Republicans have a lot of criticism for the plan, but also outlining one of the one of the projects. It's going to be Interstate 275 in Detroit, um, and I know that's that's something we've talked about a little bit here on the show. That all of this money is going toward, you know, just state roads and state highways. So yes, local roads will not be funded at all through this bonding plan. So we're still looking for solutions to that problem. Jim, would you like to bring us one of your headlines? Sure. Uh, according to the Detroit Free Press, Michigan seniors are angry after Whitmer keeps pension tax in new state budget. In her televised Democratic response Tuesday to President Donald Trump's State of the Union address, Governor Gretchen Whitmer said... You can listen to what someone says, but to know the truth, watch what they do. On Thursday, many Michigan seniors were saying Whitmer should take that message to heart. Whitmer, who campaigned on repealing a tax on Michigan pension income introduced by her predecessor, Governor Rick Snyder, 
made no provision for such a change in her 2021 budget proposal. I'm unhappy, said Lewis Newman, Jr., 64 of Detroit, who retired from Chrysler in 2007. When you put out words like that, you've got to stick to them. Last year, in her first budget presentation, Whitmer did include a plan to repeal the pension tax, but she tied it to an expansion of the corporate income tax that was unpopular with Republican lawmakers. The measure never passed. Though it was not part of the budget plan, we must continue to work together to repeal the retirement tax, Whitmer said at a Thursday news conference. State Representative Youssef Rabhi, a Democrat from Ann Arbor, is a sponsor of a package of bills that would repeal the taxes on pension income and replace that revenue with higher business taxes. That's something that I hope the legislature takes a look at, Whitmer said. Whitmer's spokeswoman, Tiffany Brown, did not respond to a text message asking why Whitmer did not include one of her major campaign promises in her budget proposal. In order to get rid of the tax, we need a solution that includes real replacement revenue and won't rob essential services like public safety or health care for our families, said Kurt Weiss, a spokesman for the state budget office. But to seniors like Ron Mia Kinnan, a retired dentist in Rochester Hills, a promise is a promise. On her campaign website, Whitmer did not tie the pension tax repeal to finding revenue, replacement revenue. I am shocked, Mia Kinnan said Thursday. I truly expected that there would be another proposal to repeal, albeit tied to another tax to replace it. By leaving it out of the budget entirely, that sounds like it is totally off the table, which is absolutely despicable. I am so sick of politicians making these promises to get elected, then never following through. The term pension tax is a bit of a misnomer. The legislation pushed by Snyder didn't create a new tax, but it removed total and partial tax exemptions for income from public and private pensions, respectively. People born before 1946 were exempted from the change, and there was a phase-in for other seniors. Snyder sold the pension tax as a fairness issue. He said it would treat all pension income equally for tax purposes. Also, with Michigan's aging population, it would avoid placing an ever-increasing burden on young people to fund state services, many of which are heavily used by seniors. The Treasury Department said late last year that repealing the pension tax would cost the state $320 million, of which $248 million would come from the general fund. All right, thank you, Jim. We'll be discussing that in our opinion segment on Friday. So staying on that same topic of uh, the budget, which... Actually, I, Jim, I looked at it this week. I tried to kind of decipher the budget. I don't know if you've looked at it or not. I have not. 130 pages. I was looking through it. I was like, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way I can ever make any sense out of this. So mm-hmm. um, it's really hard to know uh, for sure money coming in, money going out. But uh, thankfully, you know, we have reporters that can, like, hopefully they're doing their homework and they, they kind of know what's going on there. But uh but Chad Livengood over at Cranes Detroit reports that the budget for the Pure Michigan ads will be uh, partially restored for the 2021 fiscal year. 
So Whitmer's proposed 2021 fiscal year budget calls for the restoring of 15 million of the 37.5 million for the popular Pure Michigan Tourist Attraction campaign that the Democratic governor axed in September budget standoff with Republican-controlled legislature. So the article doesn't really make clear what exactly she cut it for, uh, probably to keep spending within the the limit that she had. But I don't know if you've noticed that I haven't seen any Pure Michigan ads on TV at all. So she cut the funding last year. And that would have been when the ad stopped. So Whitmer, yes, Whitmer having discussions with the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association. Um, she's looking for them to uh, kind of pitch in on uh, that funding for the Pure Michigan ads uh, because they're the you know the benefactors primarily of that those ads you know bringing tourists into Michigan. Um, so Whitmer is proposing that. The state budget will match dollar for dollar all of the revenue that's coming in from the Michigan Restaurant Lodging Association for those pure Michigan ads. So the article says Whitmer and her budget director said Thursday they want the travel and tourism industry to invest 15 million in advertising, echoing the sentiments of Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky, who has said the industry should start footing the bill. So a couple of comments from uh, the CEO of Michigan Restaurant Lodging Association, um, Justin Winslow, says, We find it difficult to have discussion about the specifics of potential funding for Pure Michigan next year, while the tourism and hospitality industries are still coping with the unjustifiable elimination of Pure Michigan funding this year. We are willing and ready to be part of the solution going forward, but the time for the political theater is over fix the mistakes restore pure michigan and let's move forward together so it seems like there's there's some uh going back and forth between the budget offices the government the senate majority leader Mm -hmm. and uh this the michigan restaurant lodging association they're in they're in discussion we'll see you know how that proceeds and uh where it goes from here Uh, jim could you do uh bring us another headline sure According to MLive, Government Whitmer seeks $64 million for three new environmental initiatives. Images of green ooze flowing onto a metro Detroit highway and homes sliding down the eroding shores of Lake Michigan speak to Michigan's environmental pressures. So does a $69.5 million settlement negotiated with a corporate polluter to bring clean water to 1,000 homes north of Grand Rapids. Each of those examples form the foundations for $64 million in environmental initiatives that Governor Gretchen Whitmer wants to fund in 2021. Whitmer announced that funding plan at 10.30 a.m. Thursday press conference as she unveiled a $61.9 billion executive budget proposal for the next fiscal year. The $11 billion general fund portion of that budget will include, according to the state, $40 million for local climate resilient infrastructure grants for local units of government to help plan for and prevent the negative impacts of Michigan's changing climate conditions like high water levels, $4 million 
for legal efforts within the Attorney General to protect residents from chemical contamination of drinking water and commercial pollution. $20 million for rapid environmental contamination response to provide additional resources for the abatement of contaminated properties across the state. The largest piece of that comes weeks after elected officials from across the state testified in front of the state legislature, detailing their pressures as climate change affects shorelines, roadways, and the drainage systems. Their messages, they don't have the funding to deal with the scope of the problem. In the budget proposal, the state acknowledged the need to fix what's already happened in Michigan along many of the 3,288 miles of Great Lakes shoreline. Michigan is currently experiencing the effects of record high water levels on the Great Lakes that are eroding beaches and coastlines, imperiling homes, flooding roads, and impacting the delicate balance between our prized freshwater resources and the way of life in our local communities, according to the budget proposal. Severe weather events and flash flooding have also overwhelmed local sewer systems and damaged homes and agricultural lands. The reality of these events cannot be ignored, and Michigan and its local communities must be prepared for and take action to address both immediate and future impacts of these conditions. The $30 million in infrastructure grants can be awarded to local units of government or regional councils with a $2.5 million limit per grant. A 20% local match will be required. Eligible projects may, tho may those that address flooding, coastline erosion, transportation networks, urban heat, and stormwater management, the state said. The $10 million in planning grants will let some communities focus on the future. Plans that can be funded up to $200,000 include Michigan's water levels become, became a statewide concern by the summer of 2019. The Great Lakes experienced record high water levels with depths ranging from 14 inches to nearly three feet above long-term averages. At the same time, high underground water tables meant residents nowhere near lakes are experiencing water in their basements and flooding and failing septic systems and sewage drain fields. It's important to reiterate that it's not just one lake that is experiencing record highs. Keith Kampalatwicks, Chief of Watershed Hydrology for the Detroit District of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, told MLive, Since then, heavy rains in November prompted more fl flooding concerns and kept lake levels at peak even as forecasts call for potential record-setting lake levels in 2020. In addition to proposing the targeted environmental funding, state officials said, Whitmer's budget proposal also will target investing in children's education and families and their health. So yeah, a lot on the budget uh, for this week, the budget that I have no idea how to read or <laughs> make any sense of, but you know, it's government. Uh, too bad Faith Ann's not here. To, oh, I miss Faith Ann now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're going to shift gears a little bit. Uh, interesting story coming out of Wayne County. So Senior Institute for Justice Attorney Wesley Hattot 
told the Center Square that the county seized people's cars based on allegations that someone else had committed a crime nearby. That sounds crazy. All right, so we're going to get into this article a little bit. The Institute for Justice, a nonprofit libertarian law firm, filed a federal class action lawsuit alleging Wayne's County, Wayne County's vehicle seizure practices are unconstitutional. The lawsuit argues the practice violates the Fourth Amendment, protecting unreasonable search and seizure. The Eighth Amendment protects against excessive fines and fees and due process under the federal constitution. So they've got two examples here of uh, people that have had their property seized by Wayne County. Uh, Robert Reeves uh, had a 1991 Camaro, cell phone, and $2,208 in cash were seized by Michigan State Police on July 26, 2019 because someone he worked with allegedly committed a crime. The Wayne County Sheriff's Department also seized Melissa Ingram's 2017 Ford Fusion twice within seven months. Uh, Ingram lent her car to her then-boyfriend on November 20th, 2018, so he could look for a job. The vehicle was pulled over and seized when he slowed in an area known for prostitution, ostensibly without Ingram's knowledge. So they seized the car. Ingram paid $1,355 to retrieve her car. And she lent it to her boyfriend again. Uh, okay, I guess. Uh, so, lent it to her boyfriend again, um, who was pulled over by the same officers after leaving a barbecue. Uh, oh, goodness. Police alleged the house hosting the barbecue was connected to drugs or prostitution. Okay. lot to say on this one. Uh, the article says, you know, nobody was arrested, um, but Ingram couldn't afford the fees the second time. She declared personal bankruptcy, and she now has to use the bus to commute to work and to her night classes to earn her bachelor's degree. Um, so obviously she's, she's very upset about all of this. Um, an important feature of the article, though, I think is very relevant. Uh, so Hotat, Hotat, I'm not exactly sure how to say that. I'm going with Hatat. Um, Hatat said, Innocent until proven guilty is a bedrock American value, and yet under Detroit's civil forfeiture program, innocence is irrelevant. It is clearly unconstitutional to force one person to pay for another person's crime. So there's a lot to say on this article. We're going to be going into it much more in depth in our opinion segment, uh, where I don't have to moderate myself. <laughs> And Jim can, uh, Jim can, looks like he's got a rant brewing over there. So it's going to be a fun time in the opinion segment this week. Uh, so plug for the opinion segment. Uh, Jim, you want to bring us uh, your final headline? And then I'll wrap things up. Following that same vein about constitution and uh, constitutional issues, MLive has a headline here. Lapeer County votes to become a second amendment sanctuary. A mid-Michigan county has officially been named a Second Amendment sanctuary. The Lapeer County Commission made it official with a 4-2 vote Thursday, January 30th. The resolution was originally brought forward by Commissioner Rick Warren at a Thursday, January 16th meeting. 
Vice Chairman Ian Kempf said, There was open discussion on January 23rd and a vote was taken on the 30th. The resolution is meant to send a message to Lansing that Lapeer County is a strong supporter of the Second Amendment and would not be in favor of additional laws that would impede upon those Second Amendment rights, Kempf said. The original proposal's wording was similar to many resolutions brought to counties across the state. But the Lapeer County Commission added language that defined a Second Amendment sanctuary county as, quote, a place of refuge for the lawful gun owners and citizens under the Second Amendment and the Michigan Constitution. Warren and Chairman Gary Roy ultimately voted against the resolution because of the amended language. Roy said he would have voted for the original resolution, but he didn't like the added word lawful. I'm in support of the original resolution, Roy said during the meeting. I have been from the beginning, but I'm against the wording in this particular resolution, which leaves me no choice but to vote against the amended resolution. Roy and Warren could not be immediately reached for further comment. Kempf said he was in support of the added language. I certainly believe the overwhelming majority of my constituents are very strong Second Amendment supporters, he said. At the same time, they're in favor of Second Amendment rights for lawful or law-abiding citizens, so I support that amendment. By passing the resolution to declare us county a Second Amendment sanctuary, the board affirmed, quote, its support for the Lapeer County Sheriff and Lapeer County Prosecuting Attorney in the exercise of their sound direction to not enforce against any citizen an unconstitutional firearm law, according to the resolution. The resolution will not change anything under current Michigan laws, but Bill Gavette with the Lapeer County Tea Party said it was encouraging to see county officials take a stand. It's good to see our folks, our county officials, reaffirming their commitment to what we've already been guaranteed in the U.S. Constitution as far as the right to bear arms in our Michigan Constitution, Gavette said. The resolutions in Lapeer and other counties across Michigan are in response to Virginia passing red flag gun laws, which would allow police to confiscate guns from people deemed threats. A similar push is popping up in every Michigan county through a Facebook group called Michigan for 2A Sanctuary Counties, which was created on December 25th and already has over 91,000 members. What was happening in Virginia captivated the country, said Jeff Fuss, founder of the Facebook group. It's about making sure people's voices are being heard, not just at the state level, but also at the local level, at the township, at the county level, especially so that when people in Lansing try to pass whatever laws, they know where their people stand and they know where their bounds are because they have to take their guidance from the people, Fuss said. While the resolution will not change a county's daily operation under Michigan's current laws, the movement looks to send message to lawmakers. Some people refer to it as a reaffirmation of faith, he said. I look at it as just more of a statement from the community on where they stand if things change on the laws we have today. Not everyone is thrilled with the efforts, however. The recent emergence of Second Amendment sanctuary counties in Michigan is harmful because the push to pass these resolutions is to undermine normal law and order, said Carol Sullivan, with the Michigan Great Lakes Bay Region branch of Moms Demand Action.
which advocates for gun legislation while still supporting the Second Amendment. The good news is these resolutions are legally meaningless, she said. The bad news is there's a whole lot of bad that comes with it. We're concerned with anything that promotes confusion around the issue of firearm laws. Specifically, red flag laws have been upheld as constitutional and met with met the due process guidelines when challenged in court, Sullivan said. In America, only the judicial branch can determine the constitutionality of any given law. State and federal legislatures make laws. Prosecutors, police, and other state and federal officials, they enforce laws, but only judges can rule on them. If you're not a judge, and if your argument is that a law is unconstitutional, that is a gun lobby and gun extremist talking point and that's aimed at spreading misinformation that's aimed at sparking fear. Other counties that have passed similar resolutions include Mackinac, Sheboygan, Otsego, Presque Isle, Escada, and Kalkaska. Osceola County was most recently added to the list. The Sanilac County Board of Commissioners has also voted to pass the first reading of a resolution to make the county a Second Amendment sanctuary according to the Times Herald. So that's going to be, you know, something we can really talk about extensively uh, in the opinion segment. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Uh, gun stuff. You know what? I'll just save it. I'll save it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So one more article on the state of our freedoms. Um Actually, from the, the Detroit News, an article by Jim Stewart and Len Niehoff. The title of the article, it's an opinion article, uh, and it is Defending Our Right to Full and Complete Information. So the article starts off, The Michigan Freedom of Information Act does something very few statutes do. It expressly states the public policy behind it. The second sentence of the FOIA declares it is the public policy of this state that all persons are entitled to full and complete information regarding the affairs of government and the official acts of those who represent them as public officials and public employees. In other words, the government works for us. We have the right to ask what it's doing. In some rare cases, it serves the public interest for the government to withhold certain information. In some rare cases, it may serve the public interest for the government to withhold certain information. For example, where disclosure would compromise prison security. Exemptions must and do exist. But a case presently before the Michigan Supreme Court, by CO versus City of Clarkston, provides another example of a public body taking a position that undermines FOIA. Fortunately, it also provides another opportunity for our highest court to set things straight. So in this case, a private citizen sent an FOIA request to the City of Clarkston seeking, among other things, documents from the city attorney's file. Clarkston took the position that certain documents in its attorney's files were not public record because he had never shared them with the city and because he did not fit the definition of a public body under the act. And the trial court agreed with them. The Court of Appeals affirmed that decision. The court held that the city attorney's possession and use of records in his role as city attorney, is not tantamount to the public body's use and possession of the records in the performance of an official function. The Michigan Supreme Court should reverse that decision, which is why the Detroit News has joined a friend of the court brief urging it to do so. 
Respectfully, the argument endorsed by the Court of Appeals is inconsistent with both the law and common sense. Public bodies do most of their business through the human beings who work for them and who serve as their agents. It makes no sense to say that a public body did not do something because it was done by someone acting on its behalf in his official role. So this, obviously this is an opinion article. This is not necessarily either of our opinions. Mm -hmm. This is the opinion of Jim Stewart and Len Niehoff. But I thought it was... Uh, kind of an important thing going through um, our our court systems right now. Something mm-hmm. we can definitely talk about this extensively mm-hmm. in our opinion segment. Um, so we are going to be doing that. And last article, very quickly, um, just because we've been going for quite a while here already, and because I think it's funny. Two articles. I lied. So, because I definitely wanted to talk about uh, the Michigan House of Representatives races, uh, I just wanted to highlight some of the areas that are going to be, or that are being targeted specifically um, by Democrats. So, this story is, or this uh, analysis is from the Daily Cost staff. I'm I'm new to them, so uh, I don't know how to say those words. It's Daily KOS. Um, Obviously, we'll have the article up on our Facebook page. Uh, So you can take a look at it yourself. But the article says, Team Blue's best pickup opportunity in the state looks like House District 61 in the Kalamazoo area, which supported Whitmer by a wide 54 to 43 margin and backed Stabenow 53 to 45. The seat also went for Hillary Clinton 49-45, making it the one GOP-held district in the entire chamber that didn't back Trump. Republican incumbent, Brant Iden won his third term 51 to 49 in 2018, but term limits prevent him from running again this year. So that's that's going to be a big one. Um, totally backed by Democrats uh, for the last. Well, no, I guess if he won his, his third term in 2018, that would have been um, Republican. So it's it's been it's gone Democrat for the Senate. Um Probably, I, it doesn't say in this article, but probably also, no, it does It does say in this article um, that they backed Whitmer. Yeah, yeah, backed Whitmer, backed uh, Stabenow, um, backed Hillary Clinton, but somehow has a Republican congressman, uh, which is a little strange, but... Uh, so yeah, prevent, preventing him from running, uh, this, this term limits is preventing him from running. So, uh, we're going to have to keep a close eye on that one. See, uh, what direction this takes. Um, it looks like it's probably going to go Democrat, but we'll have to see. There's, there's always the upsets. Um, two other Republican seats, both located in Oakland County and the Detroit suburbs also went for both Whitmer and Stabenow, though Trump carried them both. House District 39 backed Trump 50 to 46, but it supported Whitmer 53-45 and Stabenow 51-47. Republican Ryan Berman was elected to his first term by a wide 54-42, but that election took place under unusual circumstances. The Democratic candidate, Jennifer Suedin, was charged with embezzlement during the race and was sentenced to five years probation after the election. So, yeah, that seems to be uh, a little bit. I I'd, I'd need more, you know, information on the districts. 
because it looks like they they just very narrowly back Trump and uh, are backing you know Whitmer and Stabenow more. Um, and th this article is absolutely right. That is an unusual circumstance to have your uh, your opponent charged with embezzlement. So uh, we'll have to see. Um, a, a lot of elections go based on name recognition, and Ryan Berman is the incumbent, so uh, he may keep the seat. Uh, we'll have to see about that. So one of the other two Republican seats located in Oakland County is House District 38, which went for Trump 49-46 before supporting Whitmer and, Whitmer and Stabenow 52-46 and 51-48, respectively. So the seat is held by Representative Kathy Crawford, who won her third and last term by a narrow 49-48 to 48 in 2018. So another one on her way out uh, because of term limits. Um, so we'll we'll see who the... Uh, these, these are some that we're going to be watching actually closely. So uh, we will be getting information on who's running for these House districts, you know, how, how they're doing in the polls. Um, if there are, you know, I don't even know if they really do polls by district uh, for candidates for Congress. Um, I've never seen any. I've yeah, never heard I of any. I think they do, but I don't know if they're Republican. Because, I mean, obviously the candidates want to have polls so they know. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. So that's, I think there are, but it's just not a big. Yeah, yeah, not not really out, talked you know? about because um, nobody cares outside of that. You know, like why why would we care who's ahead in Flint? Right. <laughs> you know, in the Flint right. race. You know, so they just don't usually publish them. Yeah. Because nobody outside of that area really cares. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see how those ones go. Uh, the fourth and final GOP held Whitmer seat is House District 45, which is also located in Oakland County. Why didn't they just say three Republican seats located in <laughs> Oakland County? Ah! <laughs> All right. Now I look foolish. <laughs> All right. The fourth and final GOP held Whitmer seat is House District 45, which is also located in Oakland County, but it supported her just 49.2 to 48.8. Wow. They get into the points here. Uh by a margin of 181 votes. Trump took the seat by a wider 51 to 44 margin. Wow. Uh, and James defeated Stabenow here 50 to 49. Wow. So this is, that's going to be hard to turn. Um, they've yeah. got their sights on, oops, they've got their sights on that one. And yeah. uh, I don't know if that's, that one's going to be an interesting one to watch. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, it will. It will. All right, so that's uh, covering a little bit of our Congress uh, elect our House of Representatives election. I guess they're part of Congress, so you, know, you can just say Congress elections. Uh, coming up here in September, uh, we'll be keeping a closer eye on those. And the last article, this is the last one now, I promise. <laughs> uh, I'm not lying this time. So I don't know how many people have seen talking long ruffling papers you know what i'm just going to do it without the article because i can just talk about the the ad itself so i don't know jim have you seen uh whitmer's ad that she ran uh about the the victory and road funding no i have not i've read about it online but i've not actually seen it okay anywhere. okay so uh i actually watched the ad so a little uh disingenuous of her as she herself is you know, she knows that only 8% of the roads are covered by her bond proposal. So 
I don't know why she's campaigning on local roads for a win, but uh, that's not really a great look for her. Um, I, I don't think this is too much opinion because um, it's, I mean, it's pretty factually not very accurate. Uh, so good job, Governor Whitmer, on your uh, your ridiculous. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> Oh, if if you're not caught up to speed on that one, shame on you for not listening to our opinion section last week, Mm -hmm. our opinion segment last week. You should listen to that right right after this before we get to our (laughs) next opinion segment. Yes, yes. So uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the Holmes Politicast news segment. Um, We so much appreciate everyone that's listening. Um, Please write us, you know, write in, email us, subscribe. Uh, give us a like, a review on uh, iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast. We need to hear from you know you to keep bringing you content that you want to hear about. Um, maybe you know stories that you want covered or particular issues that you want covered. So we depend on our listeners for support. So um, thank you so much for listening and tune in on Friday for our opinion segment. Um, also, as a as an aside. Uh, if you have listened to the opinion segment last week, uh, it was a little rough. <laughs> so we have gotten our technical issues figured out now, I promise. Doesn't mean there won't be more later, but um, thank you so much for sticking with us through those. Um, this this week's will sound a lot better, I'm sure. So again, thank you for tuning in, and please join us on Friday for our opinion segment. Mm-hmm.